I'm Brian Hyatt. This is Rolling Stone Music Now. Really happy to be bringing you an exclusive interview with Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. They're announcing nearly 30 new dates on their tour together, and they join me for their only interview. It's a really fun conversation about their collaboration, their tour, and a whole lot more, including the moment Robert got on stage last year and sang Stairway to Heaven for the first time in many years. Here's my new interview with Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. What has been your favorite part of these shows? Obviously, you're enjoying it enough to add more. Well, we've been growing um, from this sort of the nervous formality of the very initial kicking it off after so many years of being apart and not really being sure or even imagining that we would ever get back together. So if you go back to all that time ago in the beginning of Raise the Roof recordings, and stuff, the idea of taking it beyond there was it was very tentative really but nerve-wracking and if i don't know if you think this allison but when we were recording doing some tv clips at sound emporium with Dwayne eddie and james burton and stuff how are we to know from that kind of formal delivery very neatly done that we would end up as a particularly far out loose band quite funky and quite extending all our songs. And and I think that's the thing. We just grew more and more into a new place. That's what kind of gave us the impetus to try this again. How has it felt for you, Alison? Oh, it's felt great. We've been doing this on and off since, what, 2007, 2006? Mm. And it's just gotten better every time we've gotten together. And the band has more room, and I get a little more consistency with what's happening when it's time for me to jump in harmony. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that we've been able to revisit this as many times as we have. And when I thought, oh, it'll be too long. It'll be too long in between. But it's amazing how quickly the months go by before we go out again. So it's I'm really looking forward to doing it again. When you mentioned a little more consistency, I know that was always a kind of an issue because of the way that you harmonize and the way that Robert sings with a lot of freedom and improvisation was always a, a challenge to mesh those things. So what's how are those things uh, changing to make it easier? Oh, I, I don't know if they're changing. It's just <laughs> I think that I can catch a little bit more of his phrasing when he looks my way. So, so we have that. But yeah, and he's always very funny because he's like, don't worry about it. He goes, it's the same. It's the same every time. And I'm like, it's never the same. So, yeah, he's, you know, it, I, I got to hang on for dear life. I don't notice any of that. <laughs> of course not. No, he's, he doesn't notice. I think you do such a great job. And the thing is, when you're, let's just swing this around a little bit. I, I feel the Viking lodestone moving around to magnetic north. When you're doing the things that you do with so regal and isolatingly beautiful chillingly perfect to try and hit harmonies around last time words it don't bother me or whatever it is and i've got my fingers crossed my hands behind my back <laughs> i know that jay and dennis rhythm guys are looking and they're waiting for me to not quite get it right so i do feel it's a little bit like being in Asbury Park, it's like a fairground ride at times just to try and remember harmony positions which I was not born into because I was a rock and roll singer trying to be Dion <laughs> all those years ago. 
I've learned a lot, and those moments are hair-raising. You don't have, listen, Alice, you're really on it, and it's just great to be learn, learning and be contrite and humble and come into your dressing room bowing and saying, can you just mm. play the last harmony to me again? Yeah, <laughs> but it's not quite like that. Brian. Well, whatever it is, it, the thing is, it works. And, and, and in truth, it got more and more like we were enjoying it. Everybody stepped out from the place that they began. So we, Alison and I, were able to, and I can't wait to do this again, stand side by side and enjoy where people are going instead of it just being a, that whole deal of it being a, yeah, here's the rendition. Oh, and here it is again. And oh, there it is again. Instead of that, we've got a lot of intuitive expression in within the songs which was why we didn't want to let it go but when we got to that very last show it was quite emotional really saying goodbye to it i think that was july uh when you ended what have the two of you both been up to since july i've been in the studio recording and that's a tedious process so that's what i've been doing uh, on the time off yeah and i've been i've got a, a group of friends that i play with over here a little bit from time to time and I've also been going through all the stuff that I never released and never quite got finished and getting excited about it, going, wow, what am I going to do with that? It's the idioms, the visitations, the places that I've been musically, which were not complete, are just mind-boggling. And, and they're a little bit overwhelming. If it was difficult enough to get on this call, never mind <laughs> as to what to do. The last time we spoke two years ago, right after this album came out, there were there was a real sense that you had a bunch of extra songs and that maybe there could be a third album. What additional discussion, if any, or movement has there been along those lines? No, nothing really. There were a couple of album releases that had an extra song somewhere. Guess what? If you put vinyl out in Japan, you have half 13 tracks or it's all this sort of kerfuffle. The sky's the limit in what we could do in the future. Somewhere, somehow, there's a zillion songs. I'm in my little studio now. And if you think getting on this call was difficult, you should see the equipment that I work with. <laughs> I've got a Boss BR118 digital recording studio, which only ever plays back CDs. And then I sing, and I've got a digital Tascam digital recorder, and I sing, and I put the vocals through a guitar pedal, and then I record them on that over there. And it sounds great. Why bother to go to the studio? So I'm locked in this sort of, soon I'll get the Revox out and clean the heads. Also in your spare time, you're making sort of uh, lo-fi home recordings of new songs or something. Yeah, something like that. But <laughs> I can't find words. Ah. I think it's, this is a very difficult time to try and wax lyrical out there. So I'm just listening to people's, Stuff that they do, and you must be doing that, Alison, with the in the studio because the guys that you have played with and are, the recordings that you're working on, they must be exquisite. I'm so lo-fi, it's frightening, but uh, that's part of me. The set list was pretty set, even though what you were doing with it wasn't set. I understand you might be shaking it up a little bit on this leg. Oh no, really? Are we really? You want to shake it up again? <laughs> what you been? No. When, when, again, is that? It's in a constant state of shake-up. So this will be interesting. I'm, I'm keeping right out of this because because <laughs> I can't. I don't know. The idea, we did a great version of Black Dog. I remember when we did, when Buddy Miller and Mark Rebo were with us and we did that Crossroads 
Yes. And we did, yeah, we did a, a great blacktop pad. I don't know. Of course, we could always rewrite the words so they don't sound like 22-year-olds singing about hanging out at a drive-in movie. I'm not sure. I don't know. This is not the time to have a three-way conversation about this. Oh, about, I'll, yes, about the set list. This is more private. Yes. <laughs> I'll send roses every day. In the <laughs> yes. I mean, that version of Black Dog is incredible. And it, it's who, who knew that was such a malleable song? You, obviously. But to hear you harmonizing it was pretty incredible, actually. It's good. And we, the grooves that we can... Yeah. Have you received a rose yet in this conversation? No, I am not. There's not yet. <laughs> Allison, what would you, if you had to add something to the set list, what would you add? Oh, what would I add? Boy, that would take some, that would take, you know, I, you know, when uh, you, you, you grow up in bluegrass, you, you don't do anything but work on your harmonies all the time. You don't go to prom, you don't go to football games, you don't talk to other people, you just sit around work on your harmonies. And so I like the ones that we can spend some real time with, luckily. We've had a, a a great salad of material to choose from. I love the songs that we've come up with through the years for these records. And, and there's a couple that we'll bring out, you know, from the past out there. And I don't have any complaints I, about what we end up singing. I, I just like to have plenty of time with them. I love that you start out with Rich Woman and you start out, you don't come in guns blazing. Everything's got to settle down. There's, nothing should be frenetic. It should really be, it should set the scene for the attitude that, with the occasional diagonal. It should just set a groove for the show so that everybody in the room knows that it's going to have a little bit of a feel and a lope to it that is saying something without it having to be, as you say, there's no need for it to have any huge amount of power and whatever it is. It should get people into the right place in their bodies and, and their receptors to just say, hey, this is a great groove, and it is. And when I listen to the live stuff and I can hear the incidental stuff that, that Victor and Stuart Duncan, the Krauss-Duncan relationship on electric <laughs> guitar, it's really, it's great. It's just, it's, I wouldn't, I don't know whether it's in the bluegrass world, whether or not Stuart Duncan's considered to be sexy. But <laughs> Oh, yes, he is. I, I, I was hoping I wasn't on thin ice. <laughs> oh, so, yes. And never mind him, your brother. Really, these guys, are, this is the thing about the band is, even though the set kind of remains the same oh, sometimes, <laughs> the, what's going on within it all is it's a great landscape. You owe me a rose. And then a few songs in, you go into rock and roll. And it is a rock and roll rendition of rock and roll, just perhaps not the same brand of rock and roll as the original. No, but the original wasn't the same brand of rock and roll as it might have been. If it had been Billy Lee Riley on Sun or Hayden Thompson or somebody like that, Bob, early Bob Lumen, that's how it would have been. That's the great thing about playing as a group of people is that the place to go is it's a different position in the kind of and a different position in the kind of historically in, in what rock and roll was doing in the early stages. It was a dance piece, which while you were dancing, you may be singing the lyrics, there may be hook lines, but it was all about that great two, four swing time thing. And that's the thing about Gone and Can't Let Go. It's just, 
it's very it's endearing, but at the same time, it gets rid of a little bit of that kind of. <sighs> it becomes a joy, different kind of joy. Yeah, hard rock thing is what you're a little sick of at this point in your life, perhaps. Well, I'm not sick of it. No, but if it, Rodney Crowell or Chris Isaac or somebody was singing in that idiom, yeah, it, my ears would I would prick up my ears and go, oh, okay, this is this is pretty far out stuff. It's because we know the other way of doing it. And I think that's been mastered, and it's had a great journey. But yeah, have you heard of a group called the Red Clay Strays? There's a track that they do called No Way to Go. It's that whole deal of swing time rock and roll. Which, let's face it, if you can't get it out of those players, do you really need it to be any other way? Does it have to have a different inflection? I think it's right down where it needs to be. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. You get a special kick out of doing those kind of those songs from Robert's past, Allison? Yeah, I do. I love the way that the band takes it and makes it new again. And it's always scary to do something that everybody knows. But he, Robert, is someone who's always changing. And if you go through his solo career, you can't believe it's the same guy that can fit in every place and still remain himself. And this is another form of it. And he's only interested in new life on things. So it's it stays very interesting. Is it fun? Yeah. Is it scary? Yes. It's scary <laughs> to revisit those old tunes, but he wants new life on them. And we have the perfect bunch of guys to bring that. They all are as individual in, in what they do as right. Robert is with what he does. They are one of a kind. All of them have such personality and such empathy. When they play, I don't know a better situation that we could have ended up with than these guys. That's where I would want to be. That's the kind of halfway house in between 72 and what the way that we're playing rock and roll now. The rock and roll is a condition rather than the title of a song. It's that <laughs> idiomatic, the, the different ways that these songs came through and the different inflections and the ways that people responded to them were quite different. And it was the same thing. But generationally, there was, I don't know, there was something really neat about that early era of rockabilly and rock and roll, which is, it's endearing and really quite something. 
And we do really let it rip vocally. When we want to go, we, we stand in side by side, and sometimes my voice isn't quite as clear, or we've done nine gigs in 11 days or something like that. 12 days. And I know that there's places like on levee breaks or something where I really want to go. And, and in Battle of Evermore, let's go. And Alison's got <laughs> this, tent. you got, let's look, you're looking at me and we're only like a yard apart, both pointing, looking at each other with the microphones there. And your expression is, you want to take it up a little bit higher. <laughs> and I'm yeah. going, and my eyes are saying to you, I'm not really sure whether I can. <laughs> so that's as free form as changing the set every two or three weeks. That's where the kick is for me, is that I'm singing with um, a character who's got so much gas in the tank, can do more or less anything. I love that there's three Everly Brothers songs in the set list. It just shows how important that is to the sort of Plant Krauss aesthetic and also as artists to the both of you. What is it, obviously just when it comes to harmonies, you can hardly do much better, but what else draws you to return to that so much in the show oh those songs are they're so beautiful i think and the everly's really they were the standard for harmony singing just like those brother duets of the lubin brothers and then you got the blue sky boys and they put such a gosh they were they brought it out of the brought it off the porch the everly brothers and those tunes and the yeah i don't know like they did something they made it go ahead robert no you're right I think that they had much more of a teen attitude. But then when they did Leave My Woman Alone, that was coming from Ray Charles, I do believe. And there was a, a little bit more of a an angle to what they were coming out with. I, I love the Louvin Brothers and the Sky Boys. But the, I guess because I'm a little bit what you might loosely call chronologically gifted, I can remember <laughs> the effect that the Everly's had on the street corner, the kind of angst of Kathy's clown or the sort of uh, stick with me baby from them had it was an incredible recording a very early independent warner brothers recording when they left cadence records and and it's just it drives like crazy what a sound and then they followed that up with temptation they they were it, it was a confidence and a sort of move out the way listen to this about them which is it was a great step forward i think in those days and it related mm-hmm. to everybody who was in love with somebody on a Thursday and then somebody else on a Saturday. I also think it's the thing that they're singing. That's the thing we both understood when we got together. We come from such different places, but we both understood the Lubin brothers, like the back of our hands. That was where we met, that kind of place. Right. It's a funny thing, though, listen, because here in this little studio room, I've got, not very far from here, a whole list of our very first considerations when T-Bone, when we were, and the sort of caliber of the songs, there's some incredibly haunting pieces. Oh, I'd love to see that, that <clears> list. Yeah, I'll photograph them and send them you because there's no way I can scan them. I don't know how to do that. But some great stuff, yeah. And it was all, I think T-Bone was looking into that, trying to marry it up between that stylistically where we were coming from as both listeners and appreciators of the game and also what we might have in our tanks, what we may have as a combo, as a combination. And incredible. Yeah. And who would have known? I think it, I brought Stick With Me Baby to that first session. And I brought the original version of it. And of course, before we knew where we were, it had completely morphed into this beautiful, lovelorn, don't worry, it's all going to be fine, which is how I feel every night at about five minutes to nine 
p.m. It's all going to be okay. It's like, <laughs> romance. Robert, you recently found, I guess, your, the poster from your first gig, which is extraordinary. The Black Snake Moan, the weirdest, wildest mm. sound in R&B. That, that must have been a, a bizarre thing to contemplate. That was 60 years ago. Yeah. In fact, I'm looking at it now. It's with two books of lyrics on the top of it. And I opened the box. I, I found this CD yet again by a guy called Murray Hammond, quite a remarkable collection of songs. And I moved it out of the way and I opened the box up and I found some letters. And I found this book, self-made, very amateur, but I was 15. And it even has a f- telephone number with four numbers, four digits. Uh, the weirdest, wildest fan R&B, you want proof? See them soon. And inquiries. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I could do that all again. That's an amazing piece of music, that Black Snake Moan. Mm, Black Snake crawling in my room. And some pretty mama had better come in. Get this Black Snake soon. Many mornings I play that as I, when I start my day, just to remember incredibly, remarkably talented Lemon Jefferson was and how funny his lyrics are. He's, he's pulling together all those very questionable lyrics coming out of his the back of his limousine, I suppose. But a black snake moan is quite a way to start the day. Love that. Alison, in, in your genre, it's taken for granted, I think, that people will stay on stage until basically they can't stand up anymore, even beyond. And you're quite young still, so that's... But I'm sure that you've always taken it for granted that you're going to be doing this if you can when you're 80 or 90. I, I don't know. You never know how you're going to feel and you never know when you're going to feel different. And I know that, you know, this music, I think so many people started so young and it was, and and they toured so much. It's all they knew. So to stop is just known more people to keep going and playing than to stop. And I know that fans of this music, people have been glad to have them so long. It's hard to say what I'm going to feel when, when I get older, hard, hard Mm. to say. And Robert, I mean, we're seeing Elton John is purportedly retiring. There's people retiring. We're losing some people. Do you think about a retirement or or you seem to love being on the road? Do you want to just push it as long as you can push it? I, I think everything about everything from when I wake up to when I go to sleep is pushing it. I'm not living in an extreme. I'm just thinking and quite often off the top of my head. I'm not impetuous, but I have... I enjoy the will that I possess. And my mom used to say that I had St. Vitus's Dance, which seems to be a very good album title, if not a song title, in the middle of all this chaos that we're surrounded with. So I can't see, I think the camaraderie, the things that you share up there on, and the frailties that you know you're carrying with you quietly, and all that stuff, you're actually, the exposure of yourself to yourself is something that, I would hate to say goodbye to. I can't just sit back. And out there in, in the real world, people say to me, and I'm sure they say it to you, Alison, probably even more so with the people that you've worked with, what about the book? And I say, mm. are you kidding? What? This is spectacular. Why think about it twice? This is today. And what happened in Schenectady in 1969 is another story. And, and for me, that continuum, I, have, I must keep going. And as I prepared myself for this amazing technological feat this morning, this afternoon, I was pulling all my lyric books out and going, I've got to get the groove back. I've got, I've got something to say. 
So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to keep going as long as they've got effects machines that make me sound good. Well, it worked for Elvis. Listen to that, you know, the compression on his voice on some of those big ballads in '57. You even, Alice, I don't know if you saw this, but Robert was for charity. He played Stairway to Heaven with a very motley crew at a charity event. It was the guitarist played the intro in a way I'd never heard before. It was a, a loose and but passionate rendition. Was it bizarre to do that after all this time? All that glitters is gold, and she's Honestly, it was that Andy Taylor event. Oh, you talked about that. Yeah, he had. He was actually saved by the bell by a particular treatment for his condition. And to celebrate it, there was a kind of move of let's, we've got to keep this, we must keep this, create more and more finances to keep this experimentation up because Andy Taylor had gone from not being strong enough to hold the neck of his guitar and the weight of his telecaster to to now he's got his band and he's back on the road he had an amazing yeah. u-turn and i was invited to go and be a part of this with some other guys and yeah uh, it was very it was cathartic and again it's like people saying what about the book people hear you singing it and they go oh that's good I, he never was going to do that but i didn't really do it i just blurted it out because it's so mm. important song to me for where I was at the time and where I was with Jimmy and with John and Bob. So on that night, it was what it was. And it was it was a trial by fire, but I, I felt better at the end than at the beginning. I was thinking it, it could be the last time you ever sing that song. Would you, would you be okay with that? <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. I haven't got around to doing the ice skating rinks in Finland yet with a small orchestra. <laughs> so I don't think I'll be doing that. But I don't know. Who knows? Something could change somewhere. Spirit and heart could come back in the soul, but it's a long song. Who can remember all those words? So you have these 30 or so dates, and you have your own careers. What are your hopes for the future of this collaboration? I'm going to get really close to the microphone and say, (laughs) I really hope that we can pull a cat out of the bag again. We have had such a great time making those records and touring that I'd love to see it happen again, too. We've had a great time. I feel like we've made something new when we recorded together. The whole thing has been a surprise for yes. me. I, and I know it was for Robert, too, although he seems to have more bravery in this department. But to me, when this first came up, I thought, what in the world are we going to do? And T-Bone, he says, my goal is to make both of you incredibly uncomfortable. Well, we managed to feel pretty good about it at the end. It's uh, been a real trip. Sure. He's so masterful and also so invisible now. It's like we we know that we have this very, I do believe, something that we all touched on at various times in those recordings. And with his, that kind of compulsion that he had actually on the studio floor, driving things along, it was really crucial. Doing gigs is doing gigs, but actually making magic in the room is the only way you get to a gig. That's the way to do it. I better get those lists out. It's true, though, because it's not, it's once you've got it, you can't really blow it out of the water unless you have a personality, a real difference in, in personality problem stuff between us. We don't have that because we don't actually, we laugh at each other, but underneath it all, there's a lot of love and a lot of, it's a strong affinity. It's good, really good. And that's our show. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, subscribe to Rolling Stone Music Now wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
because that's always appreciated. But as always, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.